Amen. We want to welcome you all this Sabbath day. It's just so wonderful seeing all of you here. It's, we're, we're just so grateful to be here with you all. Why don't we stand? Um, we're going to start with nothing but the blood. Let's sing together. He had no beauty 
or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by others, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him, we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me and I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursing tree Sing it with us. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance
one God and one mediator between God and human beings, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You may have a seat. And coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. 
as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. It's a story that we may have heard many, many times. We may know the what really, really well, but Jesus asks a different question. He doesn't come to the disciples and say, what are you thinking? He comes and asks them, why? Why? Isn't that the question that we like to ask? As kids, right? As kids, we go to our parents, why can't I? Why do I have to clean my room? We like to ask the question why. It's something that captivates us. And Jesus comes to his disciples and asks the question why. This morning, I want to ask that question. Why the garden? Why the garden? After they had finished their meal together, after they had sung together, seemed to be a time of celebration for the disciples, and, and now they come out into the garden. And as you read the story, it's, it's not a time of celebration. It's, it's not a time of, of family togetherness. It's not a time of singing. It's, it's almost the exact opposite of what the upper room, the Lord's Supper, would have been. And Jesus goes out there, and as, as we read through, it's interesting to see it. It seems like everything he has worked for his whole ministry is falling apart. The first thing Jesus did throughout his whole ministry, he'd get up in the morning, and what would he do? He would go out and he would find a place to spend time with his father. That connection with his father was, was what meant the most to him. And, and his sin, as the weight of the sin of the world pressed down upon him, he could no longer break through. In his humanity, he could no longer sense or feel that connection with the father. It was as if religion, it was as if that relationship was pointless and was gone. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where it just, it doesn't seem like you can break through, like, like maybe God just might not be there for you. Maybe he's there for others, but not for you. In this moment here in the garden, as, as the weight of the sin of the world is pressing down upon him, Jesus experiences that, that separation from the Father, that brokenness. His humanity cannot reach out and touch his Father. The Bible tells us an angel comes and strengthens him. He is so broken in this moment. His, his humanity is so broken that, that he can't go on. And so an angel from heaven comes down and strengthens him. Now, that, that seems like it'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? You ever been really tired or just emotionally done? And you're like, heaven, help me? Wouldn't it be awesome? An angel from heaven shows up and in that moment places his hand on you and comes and strengthens you. What are you feeling in that moment? 
I, w- I would think if I was imagining it, I, I would think the, the next feeling would be elation and excitement. I mean, an angel showed up and strengthened me. That's supernatural, right? That, that changes the whole perspective. And yet, the next verse, the very next verse, after the angel strengthens him, says, and being in agony. The strength did not lead to joy. The strengthening from heaven didn't lead to to freedom from the oppression that was coming down upon him. The strengthening from heaven simply was enough to help him make it through the agony. The agony didn't leave. And then he gets up and, and feeling separated from his father's love, from his father's presence, he goes to the group of disciples he thought he could depend on. Right? He goes to, to those he had poured his entire life, his ministry out over. I mean, this was his job. This was Jesus' job on this earth, was, was to invest in these disciples so that when the moment came, they would be victorious. <laughs> and what are they doing? They're sleeping. Everything Jesus has worked for, everything he has done throughout his whole ministry here on this earth, seemingly now has failed, and he is trapped in darkness. And yet, it is the darkness of Gethsemane. It is the loss of everything. It is, it is experiencing complete and total failure of everything he had been working towards that prepared the way for victory. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. In those moments where I come face to face with my failure when I come face to face with my weakness, where I am confronted by the fact that I am not enough, I can go to Jesus in the garden and realize it is those moments. It is those moments where we can't feel God's presence, we can't feel the victory coming, we can't can't feel human support, where we are isolated and alone, cut off from all other support, and we feel like this is it. It is those moments that prepare us for the ultimate victory. It was that moment that gave Jesus the strength in complete surrender, although the the feeling wasn't there, the connection wasn't there, the human support was not there, in surrendering to the plan He and the Father had come up with together. It was in surrendering Himself that victory was secured before He ever walked to Calvary.
pela via dolorosa em Jerusalém chegou certo homem carregando uma cruz multidões queriam ver o homem condenado a Ele estava tão ferido e sangrava sem parar Coroado com espinhos ele foi E em dor podiam ver o homem condenado a Estrada do horror, qual ovelha veio Cristo, Rei Senhor, e Ele foi quem escolheu dar a vida por ti e por mim, pela via dolorosa, meu Jesus. Sofreu assim Ele estava tão ferido E sangrava sem parar Coroado com espinhos Ele foi E em dor podiam ver o homem condenado a morrer Pela via dolorosa Que a estrada do horror Qual ovelha veio o Cristo, Rei Senhor Ele foi quem escolheu dar a vida Jesus se entregou, mostrou o seu amor, morreu numa cruz em Jerusalém. Pela via dolorosa que é a estrada do horror, qual ovelha veio Cristo, rei sem Escolheu dar a vida por ti e por mim pela via dolorosa, meu Jesus, pela via dolorosa, meu Jesus sofreu assim.
Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. John picks up the story. He tells us, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge and put it, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. In that moment, with those three words, Jesus captured the victory over Satan. In that moment, through the incredible suffering and, and pain, through the separation from his father, he called out, it is finished. But I think you need Luke's story in combination with John's story to get the, the full picture. See, Jesus had been cut off from his father. In his humanity, he couldn't connect with the father. And yet we realize, we, we see Jesus there reach through that darkness that darkness that had descended upon the earth, that had descended over him, that darkness that he could not in his humanity see through, and, and yet by faith, Jesus pierced through that darkness and said, Father, while I can't feel your presence, while I can't sense your presence, into your hands I commit my spirit. Even though darkness seemed to have won, even though darkness had, had covered the earth and it seemed to separate Jesus from the Father, even though his, his human friends had fallen away, by faith Jesus reached out and pierced that darkness and said, My spirit is in your hands. My spirit is still with you, even if it may not seem like it. And then he proclaimed those words, it is finished. Now, he could have meant there, it is finished. My life on this earth, my ministry, my mission here on this earth is done, right? I was born, I, I escaped Herod, wasn't put to death with the other children as Herod tried to destroy them all. I lived my life here on this earth, and, and though I went through temptation and trial and trouble, not once did I sin. He could have meant, it is finished. <laughs> he, he could have meant that, that the cross, these last moments on earth were done. He could have simply been saying that, that the cross is over. The suffering, the agony is over. But Paul tells us that Jesus looked beyond the cross. That in this moment, he wasn't looking at the suffering. He wasn't looking at the darkness. He was looking down through the ages, and he was looking at you, and he was looking at me. He was looking at the reward that had been promised him, the salvation of each soul who would accept this free gift that he was paying for in this moment. This gift of salvation. And as, as he looked at each one of us, he said, your salvation, your salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, 
the erasing of your imperfections, the, the doing away with everything you have ever done, every, every sin, every bit of guilt, and every bit of shame that you have ever brought on yourself or upon the name of Christ, it is finished, it is washed away, it is cleansed, it is accomplished, it is done. There is nothing more to be added to this sacrifice. There is nothing more to be added to this victory. Eternity is yours and is mine because there on the cross on that day, Jesus proclaimed it to be so. He proclaimed that the perfect life is lived, that the perfect sacrifice is offered, that the penalty for every bit of guilt and sin and shame that you and I have brought is taken care of, and in its place, he gives us salvation full and free. It is finished. It may not seem like it. It may not feel like it. Darkness is not yet left. Jesus proclaims those words, and it is not like the darkness is rolled away and everything on earth is light. No, there is, there is still the tomb to go through. But in spite of the fact that, that the tomb has not been broken, that, that the grave has not been breached yet, it really is finished. The victory is won because Jesus paid it all for you and me. sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope and no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my
Darkness rejoices though heaven had lost. But when Jesus rose, I'll sweep their freedom in.
been held by the Savior. Separated, the bridge was 
after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. The resurrection breaks through the darkness. Whatever darkness you are going through, whatever brokenness you are experiencing, the resurrection brings light into the midst of the darkness. It gives us hope that there is something beyond, something beyond the trials and the tribulations of this life, something even beyond the grave itself, for the grave has been defeated. In describing this this moment, in describing this event, the resurrection, the blessed hope, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians, there is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where? is your victory. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Mm-hmm.
Spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrected me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrected me. In your name I Jesus. Jesus. 
And now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for the doing of his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and honor forever and ever.